Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. Welcome back to the podcast where TLDR does not apply on the study of history as a way of life absolutely every single day of the week. Continuing our short episode series, I am going to be reading to you a document by way of Mr. Samuel Adams. Again, this one is going to be on April the 12th of 1773. In the midst of the growing tensions between Great Britain and her colonies in America... The father of the American Revolution is going to tell us a little bit more about what exactly it is that's going on and what his feelings around this are. And I quote, Perhaps no measure that has been taken by the town of Boston during our present struggles for liberty has thwarted the designs of our enemies more than their votes and proceedings on the 20th of November last. If we take a retrospective of two or three years past, we shall find that what our pretended patriots as they were styled in the court gazette, so zealously, so zealously forewarned us of, has since turned out to be a fact that every art would be made use of to lull the people of this province and continent into security in order that the conspirators against our rights and liberties might carry on their schemes and complete their system of tyranny without opposition or molestation, end quote. This is very interesting. He's talking about, quote, pretended patriots, end quote. People who are pretending to be patriots. Does that sound familiar? Has Samuel Adams talked to us about things like this before? Yes, he has. Is this something that we need to be worried about today? Yes, it is. Quote, that every art would be made use of to lull the people of this province and continent into security in order that the conspirators against our rights and liberties might carry on their schemes, end quote. So he's talking about, oh, it's a conspiracy theory there, Roman. That's a conspiracy theory. Well, it turns out to be true a couple of years later, doesn't it? Yes, it does. This is what we'd like to call conspiracy fact. Let us continue. Quote, the first part of their plan. They imagined they had finished, that is, the establishment of a revenue, and thought this was far from being sufficient to answer their whole purpose. They thought that if they could put the people to sleep, they might the more easily add to this revenue at some future time and plead the present submission for a precedent, end quote. They want to try to lull people to sleep, apparently. Quote, put the people to sleep, end quote. Now, what is the story of the United States of America in the 21st century? A few hundred years after Samuel Adams wrote this. I would contend that it's a, uh, it's a, it's a few things, but one of them is it's a story of a people asleep at the wheel. And everybody, there's so many people that participate in this, trying to put people to sleep, it almost defies belief. And I've talked a lot about it, and the reason why I've talked a lot about it is in part because of what Samuel Adams is talking about right here. Remember what I said about Groundhog's Day, waiting for Superman? How they basically tell you, you can't solve any problems right now. That's why they try to make this about Big Daddy. Big Daddy government. The general government, basically. Instead of your local or state government, they oftentimes try to blame everything on the general government. Why? Because you can only do something about that once every couple of years, and they really can only get people ratcheted up once every four years. Because it's so distant and so far away 
Can't really do anything about it. So they convince you, just wait, just wait, just wait, 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 wait. In other words, go to sleep. And then on Groundhog's Day, once every four years, they tell you, go, 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 hurry, 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 hurry. And then when it doesn't work out, they're like, oh, shucks, I guess we have to wait another four years. Meanwhile, while you are waiting, quote, every art would be made use of to lull the people of this province and continent into security in order that the conspirators against our rights and liberties might carry on their schemes and complete their system of tyranny without opposition or molestation, end quote. That's what happens when you sit around waiting for Superman. And that's what happens when you listen to the big voices behind the microphone that just tell you to wait. And all they ever do is just talk about one politician or the other or both or a few, and that's it. And they offer you the same solutions they've offered up for the last 100 plus years, which have accomplished exactly nothing except make things worse. There you go. But let's continue on. Quote, they therefore began upon the second and equally important part of their plan, which was to appropriate the revenue they had raised to set up an executive absolutely independent of the legislative, which is to say the least, the nearest approach to absolute tyranny, end quote. It's a good thing that they had a lot of pens back in 1773, but they didn't have a phone. Thank God for that. Otherwise, uh, this uh, executive, such as he describes it, quote, to set up an executive absolutely independent of the legislative, end quote. That executive probably would have been using their pen and their phone to do a lot of really horrible things, wouldn't they? Oh my gosh, Roman, are you talking about something specific? No, I'm just, it's a thought experiment. Don't worry about it. You ever wonder why I say things like, Article 2 of the Constitution is supposed to be a nothing office. It's supposed to be a backwater outpost responsible for almost nothing. There's a reason for that. Number one, that's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way it's written in the Constitution. And number two, because of this kind of crap that I'm reading from Samuel Adams right here, where the executive overreaches and tries to become independent of the legislative, which, by the way, is the natural tendency of every executive. They always do this at some point. It's inevitable. It always happens throughout history. Why? They can't help themselves. They can't stay in their sandbox. They've got to, they've got to leave their sandbox, and they've got to go climb around in other people's sandboxes. I've talked about this before. And do the American people today listen to Samuel Adams and take notice of this and understand it for what it is? Nope. Why? Because they're too stupid. Anyway, continuing on, quote, The governor, who was the first American pensioner, had now an exorbitant salary, allowed him out of the monies extorted from the people. And although this was directly repugnant to the obvious meaning— if not the very letter of the charter, much was said by Cronus and the tribe of ministerial writers in Mr. Draper's paper to reconcile it to the people. But the people whom they generally in their incubations treated with an air of contempt as an unthinking herd had a better understanding of things than they imagined they had, end quote. An unthinking herd. Is how, is how they would have been described by this uh, nefarious character, such as Samuel Adams describes him. Well, if this nefarious character had been writing of the American people in the 21st century, I don't think he would have been too far off the mark. Maybe he was pretty far off the mark back in 1773, but not today, apparently. Anyway, exorbitant salary. Quote, had now an exorbitant salary allowed him out of the monies extorted from the people, end quote. Interesting. Continuing on, quote, they were almost universally disgusted with the in in innovation, while the advocates for it were yet endeavoring to make the world believe that the opposition to it arose from a few men only, 
of no property and desperate fortunes who were endeavoring to bring things into confusion that they might have the advantage of bettering their fortunes by plunder. Little did they think that it was then known, as it now appears in fact, that those who were assiduously watching for places, preferment, and pensions were in truth the very men of no property and had no other way of mending their shattered fortunes but by being the shares of the spoils of their country, end quote. In other words, living on the largesse of the treasury. Have we heard that before? That's what he's describing here. People living off of the largesse of the treasury and not really contributing anything, not really working at anything, not really maintaining much of anything. They're just kind of there. Kind of, you know, again, cashing checks and buying mansions. Continuing on, quote, Scarcely had the General Assembly the opportunity of expressing their full sentiments of the mischievous tendency of having a governor absolutely dependent on the crown for his being and support before the alarming news arrived of the judges of the Superior Court being placed in the same situation, end quote. The General Assembly, this would be the General Assembly of Massachusetts, I would believe, was expressing their full sentiments, quote, of the mischievous tendency of having a governor absolutely dependent on the crown for his being and support, end quote, and then continuing on, quote, the judges of the Superior Court being placed in the same situation, end quote. So in other words, they owe their fortune to the crown. Thus, they are loyal to that only. Just as the judges were put in that same situation, such as Samuel Adams describes it. Which is, by the way, why I do not like the the structure of the Supreme Court today. It's very similar to this. Oh my gosh, Roman, how dare you? It's just the truth. And how the Founding Fathers built it that way is beyond me, but they, they clearly didn't see this example by Samuel Adams, what he's talking about here. Continuing on, quote, This insolence of administration was so quickly repeated... No doubt from, the, from a full persuasion of the truth of the accounts received from their infatuated tools on this side of the Atlantic, that the temper of the people would now admit of the experiment. But the news was like thunder in the ears of all but a detestable and detested few. Even those who had been inclined to think favorably of the governor and the judges were alarmed at it. And indeed, what honest and sensible man or woman could contemplate it without horror? We all began to shudder at the prospect of the same tragical scenes being acted in this country which are recorded in the English history as having been acted when their judges were the mere creatures, dependents, and tools of the crown, end quote. There is supposed to be a division of power in between these branches of government such as we describe them in the United States. Executive and judicial should be separate, separate, How in God's name can you have that if the judges are appointed by the executive? The answer to that question is you cannot. This is the blood clot to the brain that the Founding Fathers put into the Constitution of the United States. Oh my God, Roman, did you just say that? That's exactly what I just said. What does that mean? It's the blood clot to the brain. This is what's going to kill everything. When you, when you make the judges appointed, especially at the Supreme Court, this is why this is so dangerous. What Samuel Adams is describing here should have been heeded in that constitutional convention much more than it was. There were people who brought it up, but they were shot down. To create a situation where the Supreme Court is nominated by the President of the United States is so god-awful, stupid, and dangerous, it almost defies belief. I can't even believe it happens in the United States. 
Because what happens when you do that? What happens? Quote, which are prospect of the same tragical scenes being acted in this country, which are recorded in the English history as having been acted when their judges were the mere creatures, dependents, and tools of the crown. End quote. That's what happens. And fast forward 200 plus years, and here we are. If the people in that room drawing up that constitution had not been so quick, so rushed into action, maybe they would have actually spent some time thinking about this. But they were in such a hurry, ladies and gentlemen. Such a hurry. And made so catastrophic a decision, it could be the death of us all. I'm not making that up. Samuel Adams is educating me here. Samuel Adams is educating me here. You understand what I'm saying? Continuing on, quote, Such an indignation was discovered and expressed by almost everyone as so daring an insult upon free people that it was difficult to keep our resentment within its proper bounds. Many were ready to call for immediate vengeance, perhaps with more zeal than direction. How soon human prudence and fortitude, directed by the wise and righteous governor of the world, may point out the time and the means of successfully revenging the wrongs of America. I leave to those who have been contrivers and abettors of these destructive measures seriously to consider. I hope and believe that I live in a country and people of which are too intelligent and too brave to submit to tyrants. And let me remind the greatest of them all, there is a degree of patience beyond which human nature will not bear. Amidst the general anxiety, the memorable meeting was called with design that the inhabitants might have the opportunity of expressing their sense calmly and dispassionately, for it is from such temper of mind that we are to expect a rational, manly, and successful opposition to the ruinous plans of an abandoned administration. And it is for this reason alone that the petty tyrants of this country have always dreaded and continue still to dread a regular assembly of the people. The desirable effects of this meeting contemptible, as it was at first represented to be, together with the prospect of what may be further expected from it, may possibly be the subject of a future paper. Yours, Canada's, end quote. I really wish this were true, quote, I hope and believe that I live in a country, the people of which are too intelligent and too brave to submit to tyrants, end quote. I really hope that that's true as well, although I have my doubts. Uh, the difference between me and Samuel Adams is I have 200 years of hindsight that he does not have. I've seen things that he has not seen. I know things that he did not know about this country. But that matters not in regards to this, this general concept. We have our marching orders. Our orders, by way of the father of the American Revolution, are, quote, I hope and believe that I live in a country, the people of which are too intelligent and too brave to submit to tyrants, end quote. Those are our marching orders. Do you understand why I read the letters from our founding fathers, what I call the instruction manual? This is the instruction manual to the United States Constitution. That's how I know that that structure and that Supreme Court is so screwed up because of the way Samuel Adams writes this and the way other people's the other the way other people wrote about it as well. Something went askew, but we have our marching orders here: too intelligent and too brave to submit to tyrants. We are to be intelligent. Just in case anybody doesn't understand what I mean by that, when I say we have our marching orders, he's saying we must be intelligent. How can we be intelligent about the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution if we do not read this material? If we do not study this material right here, right here, right here, in the books, 
and in the papers right here, all of this documentation, thousands of pages, thousands upon thousands of pages of documentation in this instruction manual. How are we to be intelligent about what we need to be intelligent in without reading this documentation? I don't know, but we're supposed to be intelligent. We're supposed to be brave. That's what he says. Quote, and let me remind the greatest of them all that there is a degree of patience beyond which human nature will not bear. End quote. And then continuing on, quote, and it is for this reason alone that the petty tyrants of this country have always dreaded and continue still to dread a regular assembly of the people. End quote. You people start getting together and you people start talking about these good practices put forth by Samuel Adams, this division of power, those three branches of government, separation of powers. In the accounting world, we would call that internal controls. I am an accountant, by the way. These things make sense in more than just government. There's a reason why in accounting we have internal controls. And if anybody elected to power in this country understood that, was trained in that, and actually was not corrupted by some twisted political ideology on one side or the other, and instead just had a view of the Declaration and the Constitution and the state constitutions, they would be able to adhere to that. Internal controls, separation of powers, three branches. The problem is, is you have these corruptions, and it's hard to avoid the corruption when you have a Supreme Court, or a court generally speaking, that is selected by the executive because they become his creatures. The only thing that keeps that thing working at all is that some of those creatures are the creatures of the previous Article 2 occupant. So you end up with this weird this weird thing over there called the Supreme Court, for example, that has some of the creatures that belong to the previous executive or some previous executive, and then you've got creatures that are there that belong to this executive, whoever that is at any given time. What possible good can come from that? I don't know. I think we've, I think we've seen the result. There's a reason why slavery lasted for so long in this country when it probably shouldn't have. Probably in part because the, the, those justices were the creatures of whoever the heck it was that put them there in the first place, instead of actually just remaining true to good principles. But that's our letter from Mr. Samuel Adams. He had high hopes for this country, even before it was a country. This was written back in 1773. This country did not become a thing until 1776. Now let's try to keep it a thing. Let's try to keep it going. For another 250 years, but that's not going to come easy. It hadn't been easy this far, and it ain't going to be easy going forward. And we're going to have to listen to some of the sound wisdom of the father of the American Revolution. That would be Mr. Samuel Adams. Was he right about everything? No. But as he articulates here, the people around him, the people in this province, they seem to have understood basic principles. They seem to be universally bothered by some of the goings-on around the seat of power because they recognized it for what it is, just a big problem. When I, see the, when I see people come together like that back in 1773, knowing that there's a problem, I think they're on to something, and I tend to pay attention. So let us listen to Samuel Adams. I want to thank you for joining me on this episode. I hope you got something enlightening out of this. If you did and you want to commentate about it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, let me know, and I'll try to bring that on an episode. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, if you listen on Spotify or elsewhere, Patreon is available. Link in the show notes. I've gone through that before. You know what to do. You know what to do. If anybody else out there feels like you should be getting a hold of me, Patreon is how you do that. So I hope you will join me on the next episode of this here podcast. And with all that said, this is Roman signing out. Thank you. <laughs>